Hello, creeps. Welcome to the Horror Vanguard. I'll be your ghost. I mean, host, for today's exciting tale of terror. The Resident Evil Vendetta and miniseries wrap-up episode. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Do you want to do you want to lead us in? Uh, indeed I do. Hello everybody. It is time for um for another episode of HV and we continue uh, our deep dive into the 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 sublime madness that is the Resident Evil franchise in all of its cinematic incarnations. I am John, joined as ever by my co-host Ash. Ash, how are you doing? I I'm doing pretty good. It's sad. It's sad to see the Resident Evil miniseries go. We uh, I I I. I didn't think this day would come, but we have come to the very end of the Resident Evil films until they reboot it sometime later this year. <laughs> uh, cue, cue Sarah McLaughlin's I Will Remember You as we have a teary-eyed <laughs> montage of John and I discussing the Resident Evil movies. Yeah, can we can we just put, put like, uh, that Sarah McLaughlin track as, like, the audio bed for this section as we... <laughs> as we talk about just how how cool the soviet former soviet states are uh why american corporations are inherently evil and of course bioorganic weapons for the very last time but before we talk about resident evil vendetta a quick word from our sponsors this program is made possible by contributions from listeners like you. Go to patreon.com slash horrorvanguard and get access to bonus episodes and other exclusive content. Thank you for listening and stay spooky. It's not wolves. It's wolf. 20,000 years. Ten times you're fucking Christian era. So what did you think about the final resident evil movie so far now when we started talking about all of the resident evil films one of the things that you told me was that they get better as they as it as the as it goes on um and i believe you because this is the last one and i think it's maybe my favorite one nice well that's really good um what about you what do you what did you think of vendetta uh, so I think I, I think in the in the grand scheme of things, Damnation is probably my favorite. Uh, but this one this one continues the the tradition of these movies being incoherently political, <laughs> as as you put it in our previous recording. You know what I I I do think Damnation is excellent, and this one is this one is in in some ways better. I, I will say, but also I think in some ways um, is worse and takes steps back. Um, but it it also has some, maybe some of my favorite moments. Some of my favorite beats are in this film. And I think maybe you're yeah. right. O- overall, I think maybe I like Damnation more as a whole, but I think mm-hmm. there are some, there are some beats in this. There are some sequences in this one, which I like more than any others. 
I, I would completely agree. I think there are aspects of this film that are better than the other parts of the Resident Evil animated films. But the total package of Vendetta feels a little lackluster, especially when you reflect on what what was Damnation? <laughs> da- Damnation, which, uh, uh, again, out of out of all of them, out of all of the Resident Evil films, not just the animated ones, but out of all of them, I think Damnation and Vendetta will absolutely be in my top two. Um. Uh. Yeah. I think. I think. Uh. Probably. Probably the second to last live action Resident Evil and Damnation are are going to be my top two out of all of them so far. Rock solid choices, I have to say. Um. So before we get into the discourse, should we talk about you know the good and the bad in in Vendetta, the stuff that we, the stuff that we actually really liked, and maybe the stuff that, like I say, represents a bit of a step back or a kind of regression. Yeah, yeah. Let's 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 do this. Uh, you want to you want to start with the good. Want to start things off on a on a positive footing here. Uh, yeah. Can we can we just? I'm just gonna unironically say that the fights there are fight scenes in this which are just so fucking cool. The fight scenes in this in this film are are just ridiculous and great and incredibly well choreographed. Yeah, yeah. There's there's this extended fight fight scene where it's it's uh, chris redfield and leon socialism kennedy in a hallway <laughs> fighting an endless stream of zombies and it's not it's, it's not like your standard zombie stuff where it's like oh shoot that one in the head shoot that one in the head they're like it, it's like some john wick meets uh uh juggalo clown wrestling kind yeah. of stuff it is it is just like this like mayhem smackdown thing yeah and it's it's honestly like the whole time I was I was having a blast watching that because it is so fun. <laughs> it is it is very very silly. You can tell that the um, fight animators had seen Equilibrium and John Wick uh, and decided to steal all the best ideas from both of those films. And I am here for it. Yeah, it is. It's incredible, I think, to say the least. And it's wacky and like. It's just it's just fun. It's just it's just good, honest, fun action in that sequence. And there's something about that where it's just like it's it's free. It's 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 liberating to just watch these these two dorks <laughs> use use like like fucking like gun martial arts on zombies. <laughs> uh as i as i texted you uh chris redfield ddting a zombie so hard its skull explodes has me convinced that this film is unironically amazing (laughs) yeah that 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 stuff that stuff was incredible those action sequences are are amazing i I gotta say um and Um, and the other fight scene that i also really like is the first fight scene proper fight scene in the film mm, yeah uh, between uh uh, Chris Redfield and Glenn Arius. Um, that's just that's just also an excellent uh, fight scene, uh, which ends with uh, honestly, with Chris just getting the shit kicked out of him. Which I loved. I love I love the fact that because it, it's like the standard it's the standard martial arts kind of like it's it's almost like that kung fu movie trope where you got like the uh, kind of scrawny martial arts master and then like the big giant tough guy comes out and uh, it's chris as the big giant tough tough guy getting absolutely wrecked yeah by by a guy in a business suit because he's (laughs) just better at hand-to-hand combat um and i'll I'll go as far as to say that the hand-to-hand combat stuff's in the stuff in this barring 
um, your John Wicks and, and other movies that are really dedicated to kind of fight choreography as an art form. Um, the fight scenes in Resident Evil Vendetta are easily better than most triple A Hollywood studio action that we've gotten in the last 10 years. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Ha- hands down. And it's not even close. Yeah. Not, not even slightly like, again, unless you're, unless you're doing something that's on that kind of equilibrium, John Wick caliber, you know, you're just like most Hollywood fight scenes are, uh, they pale in comparison to Resident Evil Vendetta. And this is why I will never become a Rotten Tomatoes verified movie critic is a phrase like that will crash the code on the website. (laughs) Uh, Just one of the many reasons why uh, you are unfairly maligned. (laughs) (laughs) So there there are beats in this. I think the whole opening sequence is is really solid. Um, And then we have a twist at about 15 minutes in, which we will get to in a second, which literally had both of our jaws just on the floor um but we'll get to that when we talk about the discourse part of this but maybe we should also talk about some of the things which are a bit of a kind of regression some of the things which just don't work or have feel well, there were before before that uh there was another thing which i really liked and this movie uh br- brings back one of the resident evil luminaries rebecca chambers um, from the first Resident Evil game, from Resident Evil Zero, mm-hmm. um, she she's back. She's in this one, and and her her sequence, her her opening uh, a series of scenes, I, I thought was really good. I really enjoyed that stuff. If the whole movie yeah, yeah. would have been a mix of that tone, and then the uh, 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 backyard wrestling of Chris Redfield and zombies, and Leon's like motorcycle based martial arts techniques this movie would have been a, a miracle, you know, like, like Scorsese would have had a framed copy of this DVD <laughs> on his wall that he prayed to every night. Yeah. But like, okay, a little hyperbolic there for the record, um, but only a little, uh, but I got to say like the, that beginning stuff with Rebecca Chambers, I really enjoyed Right. Like it's, it's great character development. It like, as, as to academics, like all of that dialogue is very relatable. <laughs> oh yeah, I I feel for the nameless postdoc um, who right. is desperately trying to get permanent employment. Yeah, and then there's there's like there's like a weird tension in there too because they have like a will they won't they kind of flirting. Yep. And like there's I mean like there's a whole realm of discourse in there about power dynamics in academia and like relationships with people who are technically your superiors like so in in that sequence i feel like there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting character dynamics like and it's a side of resident evil we don't get to spend too much time with you know people who are working on the cure for the virus and on the research side it's less action focused these aren't like military agents i have to say i i completely agree with you that rebecca feels like one of the one of the first people in all of the resident evil films that we meet who is actually a real person and is yet somehow not either a government agent or a private military contractor. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that that's what made that so, so fresh and so interesting for me. Right. Yeah. 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 You know, and even though she's a former stars agent, like they go out of the way to let us know that that's in her past. She's a full professor now. She's got all these new skills and the new direction and that, that stuff was honestly, it's the best stuff in the movie for me was that initial scene with Rebecca 
Um, and I think this will dovetail us perfectly into stuff we didn't like because the rest of the movie is horrible in terms of what it does with Rebecca's character. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So um, Rebecca has one uh, sequence of agency and um, then the, the technical term is fridged. Um, yeah. She, she, is literally, she is literally just uh, strapped to a table and not allowed to do anything until being rescued at the very end of the film. Yeah, they just they they turn her into a MacGuffin for the plot. She could she could have been anything. She could have been a vial of the cure. She could have been a ticking time bomb. Yeah, it's it's just it's really it's such a, a horrible waste because like Chris Redfield and Leon are like Leon has a very interesting character that's underexplored. Oh, yes. Chris Redfield is is a meathead who's <laughs> fun to watch in action scenes, but has no there's nothing going on under the hood. No, not not but at all. Re- Rebecca is so compelling, and then they get rid of her. It's just, it's just this, this horrible misogynistic waste of the most compelling character in your movie. And and of course, who is it that they send to rescue her first? Uh, is it's not Leon who Leon Socialism Kennedy who we should probably talk about very briefly. But it's like the, the lunkhead who doesn't really know how to talk to people. So there isn't even any kind of like development that comes out of the rescue. It's just the thing that we've decided the narrative is now going to be about. And and when we do get to get these three characters going together for the few scenes before Rebecca is kidnapped, the most compelling stuff is between Leon and Rebecca because Rebecca is starry eyed, youthful, hopeful. She's working on a cure. She still believes in good guys and bad guys. And Leon is after the events of damnation, he is burnt out. He is jaded you know he he is he's he's under this horrible emotional weight and and he he just doesn't believe in it anymore and, and there's there's a great dynamic and then you've got chris who's just like i don't know there <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah it's like uh you know rebecca starry-eyed optimist who genuinely wants to make the world a better place leon burned out cynical drinking himself to death then you got chris also there <laughs> <laughs> Pre- present and accounted for <laughs> but yeah yeah that's just that's just to say that the the best and most interesting character stuff in here winds up being sidelined uh because of a horrible combination of misogyny and uh a decreasing uh, uh returns on action sequences yeah absolutely and then, uh, speaking of action sequences, uh, there's some action in this movie that is not nearly as good as that extended hallway fight with the zombies. Which, which again, I, I really want to emphasize just how fucking cool that sequence is. And yeah, it's really good. The, the choreography and hand-to-hand stuff is incredible. Yeah, uh, sets, sets such a high point. Um, but then you're right, some of the action sequences is just terrible specifically so there's there's a there's a action scene in this one where leon is on a ducati brand motorcycle uh that is you know advertising at its finest right here but the um he's being chased by two zombie dogs and doing 100 miles an hour on a highway just outside of a city and like he's like flipping around on the motorcycle and like hanging off of it by one foot and the motorcycle like never moves. Yep, yep. It's it's like weirdly stationary while he's doing all of this. So it like he he fe- it's like the only sequence in the movie where these CG characters feel like weird CGI puppet people. 
And like, he's just like, it's like so unnatural and weird. Yeah. And then in the sequence, Leon just kind of murders some civilians. You know, he, he causes a multi-car pileup that those people are 100% dead. Yeah, they, they, they've all just died horribly. And then after after dispatching the zombie dogs, you know, like he he, he like shoots a, a highway sign down that like splits one in half. And so they're done. No, no worries there. But then he like hurls a grenade over his shoulder to get a really cool commercial shot for your Ducati brand motorcycle. Yeah. But at the same time, like you just destroyed part of that highway infrastructure. And we know that there are cars going down here. We know that there's a bioterror event happening in New York City. People are probably using this highway to flee. Mm hmm. You know, so you just imprisoned all of the people who were driving on that road. Yeah. And it's just like... And you did it. And you did it for the cool guys don't look at explosions moment. That's right? literally and it's, the it's, only reason that happens. It's it's such a... Yeah. And like it's it's just there to to give that motorcycle some cool screen time and, and for a fun action shot. But it doesn't... It, it's totally incongruous with what we know about Leon's character. You know, he in the previous movie, he renounces his citizenship to to fight against the threat of bioterror and he becomes jaded and dark but he we've never like gotten the idea that he's like killing civilians in order to stop two little zombie monsters it just seems so it's, it's super incongruous and also like i think the biggest thing is it it feels like it's completely weightless like mm-hmm. it, it has no genuine kind of solidity to it and a lot of the other animation does and so this the, that whole sequence feels very rushed and it feels like you say completely out of place uh and it makes one of the main characters into just an asshole for no real reason right yeah i i i agree (laughs) so do you do you want to talk about the thing that happens about 18 minutes into this movie oh my goodness completely off the rails in terms of political discourse um so so I I am just gonna I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty sure I can do this for both of us okay so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna reconstruct our kind of mental state whilst we were watching the opening like you say mm-hmm. eighteen minutes oh okay so we're, we're we're storming a mansion oh okay cool it's gonna be like zombies at night that's great oh okay cool we've got a we've got a fight scene with our big bad Gwen Arius eighteen minutes in they drone strike his wedding. <laughs> And it's 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 cognitive whiplash, but it's the most like explicitly political that this film has gotten, and it comes out of nowhere. It it hits you like a truck. It's an abrupt cut to Glen Aries's wedding, you know, and then and then just like it, it, it's idyllic blue skies, this beautiful landscape, and then and then the drone comes down you know and and just blows the wedding to hell and you get this absolutely like gut-wrenching shot of like his wife's arm just kind of flying or no he like he like he like he's he's getting up in the ashes right after the drone strike and he he lifts up his hand and he's holding his wife's hand and oh it says her her severed arm it's horrifying it's just awful it's like and that and that and this like these resident evil animated films are just incoherently political is is the best way to, to describe them because this just ramps this movie up and then um, the rest of the movie is is glenn aries is out for revenge so he's developed a new kind of zombie virus he's spreading it all over the united states um because it's never explicitly stated but it is heavily implied that it was the united states that drone striked his wedding yes 
a, a, a certain government, a certain mm-hmm. government that you might find being responsible for American civilians is the one that did the drone strike. Yes, yeah, a, a, cer- a certain a certain nation on this planet who is kind of infamous at this point for drone striking weddings, drone strikes a wedding. I, I and, and you see, this is what I mean about these films kind of like swerving towards kind of genuinely radical political critique and then lapsing back into sort of uh, the acceptable uh, zone of discourse that is kind of, uh, you know, capitalist liberalism. Because uh, having an explicit reference to predator drones, like blowing up weddings allows you to actually take a genuinely kind of anti-imperialist line. Um, but then this falls back into, oh, it's just one guy who wants revenge. And it's like, oh, we, we came so close. We came so close to an actual anti-imperialist uh, animated Resident Evil movie. Um, but it just reduces the character's... Um, motivations down to like i want revenge on the world of the living because they cost me everything that i love yeah yeah they 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 turn him into kind of like a generic madman and when we get that when he kidnaps rebecca and he's like i'm going to attach my wife's severed arm to you and turn you into a zombie and then you go hang on like uh wait what (laughs) there's a very dramatic swerve in his character and motivations at that point and i think like it's 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 underdeveloped yeah because pre drone strike which is not a phrase I thought I would find myself saying about Resident Evil animated film. There is this really interesting moment just after he's um, kicked seven kinds of hell out of Chris, where he says to him, um, I can't remember the line exactly, but he says, the last moments of life are the most beautiful, don't you think? And it, it kind of implies that he has gotten into this business of dealing weaponry, dealing bioorganic weaponry to cause death and destruction, because he sees something kind of beautiful in it. He sees... There's a kind of like grand scale uh, chaos is what he's interested in, not petty individualistic revenge. And they're never able to kind of square those two things. Well, the I, I think I think what's interesting is that the, the, this movie is atemporal. You know, it's this is nonlinear storytelling. So the drone strike happens before the fight with Chris. Yeah, it's it's a, and, and a we, so uh, Glenn Aries has two sidekicks. Yes. Oh, um, yes. Yes. You're right. Sorry. You're right. Bayonetta and uh, Super Super uh, Bane. It's Bane from Batman. Yeah, it's Bane from Batman and and Bayonetta. <laughs> it, it, it does so like they call him a merchant of death throughout the whole movie, and and it's it's a way of yeah, it individualizes all these problems, you know. And Leon is the only character who's kind of been able to see through this. Yeah, because because Leon is the one. Leon is the one who 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 basically goes. Oh, so one one guy sells weapons, so you drone strike his wedding and kill all of his family and friends. Who's the good guy here? Yeah, Leon Leon explicitly states that the act of drone striking that wedding is is wrong. You know, to to the point where Leon doesn't know which side is in the right between the conflict between these two. He's recognizing that both of these people or both of these entities, right, are, are existing for their own kind of, like, capitalistic concerns. You know, whether it's the concerns of empire or the concerns of your financial empire yeah. as, as an arms dealer, right? So, so he's, he's recognizing this kind of split that's going on, and, and that's at the core of him being jaded at this point, right? As he sees himself as a puppet inside of all of these different cogs and not as someone with a full agency. 
yeah, he comes close to actually admitting a kind of materialist theory of of terrorism. You know, he's like, well, yeah. you murdered you you murdered this guy's like, what did you expect? You know, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. which which we will get into as we get into the final climactic fight on uh, the rooftop of a skyscraper in New York City. Yeah, as, as we get into Super Nine Eleven. <laughs> yeah, yep that that is also something else this film includes. Um, yeah, but I, I think uh, I think that that is for me part of what makes these Resident Evil movies so frustrating. <laughs> or I think like the, the, this this for me is the full expression of the incoherent nature of the political critique in these movies, <clears throat> because like these films are one hundred percent interested in exploring contemporary political issues. And the same is true for the Resident Evil games. You know, yeah. these are deeply political texts that very much so want to explore these ideas. Um, and I think that, like, in, in this movie, like, so much of that is between Leon and Rebecca's character. And and we'll get to that final sequence as they fly away in, in the Osprey uh, military super helicopter thing. It's a technical this- term right there, uh, super military <laughs> helicopter thing. Uh, uh, most Most civilians don't use language like that, only smart guys like me. <laughs> that's 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 your years of stars training coming out <laughs> i know i know i'm just showing off at this point <laughs> well uh, maybe we should we should then talk about the final sequence so there is the our big bad is who is based in new york is planning a big bioterrorism event in new york is going to turn all of new york into zombies um and so they decide to storm his tower to to, to rescue rebecca uh and there is a big climactic fight um which um doesn't doesn't really go the way that we were expecting does it i so so okay let's, i'm should gonna we talk really about, quickly should we talk about diego yeah let's let's really quickly kind of paint the final act of this movie in just a big picture lay it out so, lay it out for us lay it out for us uh rebecca rebecca is kidnapped by Glenn, uh, Leon has um, a phone from someone from that like fictitious block state, full of information that helps them find the hideout, the bad guy's hideout, and Rebecca's laptop, which helps them also figure out the puzzle. Right. So, so they so they head to New York to stop him. And meanwhile, Glenn Aries is firing off his final plan, which is releasing the zombie virus in a gas form throughout New York City. Uh, which he succeeds in doing. You know, we get we get multiple shots of the city skyline in flames, smoke coming out of buildings, people turning into zombies and eating each other. Right. So his, his plan is completed. Right. Chris and Leon uh, and their team kind of drive around the city, blowing up the zombie gas virus tanks. Very, very video game. You know, you you go find the base. I'll take care of these four objectives on my map marker right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's the New York level. <laughs> yeah, it's the, when we get to the New York level, that's kind of what happens. Then they invade invade his uh, final boss's level, uh, defeat the final boss, and sprinkle a happy times zombie cure all over the city, which brings everyone back to life. And I think <laughs> let's just let's for for a brief moment here, let's just talk about that. Right. So when, when they're in the final fight with, with, uh, so Glenn, Glenn Aries turns into a giant zombie monster. And one of the ways they stop him is they fire a rail gun through his head. Yep. And we, we get a shot of the blast from the rail gun, like blowing up like six buildings. 
like six skyscrapers just get ripped apart by the blast. Yep. And yeah, yeah. like, um, we had a bunch of scenes earlier of like zombies, just like, like one guy, uh, he's, he's out, I think they're, he's jogging with his partner and he turns into a zombie and then eats her. Yep. And then like the, the final scene, they're, they're sprinkling the happy zombie cure and you see all these people turning back to normal. And I'm like, how many of these people are turning back to normal with their like wife's hand in their stomach? Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, how many how many people got blown up by that kind of willy-nilly firing a railgun into the boss sequence like the city's in flames this isn't like a happy ending we cured this and like how many people were indoors that got turned into zombies that are, the cure is not going to hit yep you know, absolutely like, I, I, I i don't mean to like nitpick the flaws of this ending away but they, they treat it as they're sprinkling <laughs> yeah i, I don't want to cinema since the ending of this but like they're sprinkling the zombie cure all over the city but the city's been destroyed. And this is this is New York City. This is like one of the biggest, most populated, most you know, geopolitically important cities on the planet. And it is yep. it is effectively leveled by the events of this show. And like they 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 sail off into the sunset at the end. Mm-hmm. And I'm just I'm just sitting there and I'm like, each one of these animated movies ends with this we've we've done it, we've succeeded, this is the new normal, things are good now. And I'm just thinking alone at that, like with the state of the United States infrastructure, it, I, I am out of words for how horrifying the end of this movie is. I mean, even at its very best, right? You you are out for brunch with your your partner, and you have to go home and go. So, about the fact that you tried to eat me earlier, should we should we talk about that? No, it's right. all it fine just, now. It's fine. We're all fine. <laughs> and I think like part, part of this is how we talk about violence and terrorism, right? And I think that's really an important thing to focalize at the end of this movie. You know, we because of like the rapidity of the news cycle, right? Because of how fast social media is, you know, these horrifying things that happen happen and end, right? And, and the next thing starts and we keep going. There's no space to just sit with the, like how the terror is in our bodies, how the trauma stays with us. We just have to keep running because that's what capitalism demands. Yeah. And like the end of this movie is just so dark because of that. Especially in the context of, of COVID, right? You know, mm-hmm. half a million people have died in, in the United States alone. Hundreds of thousands in the UK. And it's like they're, they're at, the, at, at present, there isn't the kind of infrastructure that exists to allow for the necessary kind of grieving and processing of, of a genuinely generational loss. Absolutely. And let, let alone like environmental catastrophes, like what's happening in Texas right now is terrifying. Yeah. 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 Um, but, but like that alone, like, and, and, and for me, what's interesting is that like those stories I find to be so compelling Rebecca, the researcher, trying to find a cure for the zombie virus and and having to escape that tension, that to me is terrifying, and and not to not to tease a future episode that might be coming out uh, on the horizon here, um, but I think in the Resident Evil games, there's this kind of discursive shift between survival horror uh, to to kind of individualistic superhero action with zombies. I completely and I agree. Think that that tension is embodied by these animated films. And the, the swinging between those two poles is what contributes to the genuinely sort of 
almost, as I say, incoherent politics that's going on within them. It's just, I'm almost at a loss for words <laughs> by the trajectory the three animated Resident Evil movies have taken on. But I, I, I will say kind of as like my, my closing thought is that like, I would rather have movies like these where uh, the animation for the, like this one, the voice, the voice acting in this one is, is great, but the uh, animation for the voice acting is uh, startlingly bad. Yeah, like there are, um, there are several um, moments where characters don't move when they're talking. <laughs> but like, uh, I also noticed that uh, a lot of the time Leon's hair doesn't move at all. <laughs> yes, yes, but I mean, I, I think I'll, I'll, I'll concede that to whatever products he's using to keep his hair so perfect. <laughs> um, but no, uh, I, I think I'd rather have movies that are sloppy, like like this movie, and trying to explore so many complicated political topics. Like these Resident Evil movies are are one hundred percent like like punching above their weight class. You know, like like no one expects the Resident Evil movies to attempt discourse on uh, materialist analysis of terrorism and geopolitics, but they do it, and and it's it's flawed and it stumbles. But like I I genuinely love the attempt. Oh, I I absolutely agree. I've I have increasingly had more and more more fun with these animated films. Um, I I think they. Isn't it better to have something that's interesting and fails rather than something that doesn't have the courage to attempt anything at all? 100%. Any any kind of final thoughts summing up your kind of take on all of the Resident Evil all of the all of the evil that we have watched in Residents. <laughs> um all of the films both the animated and live action. Any kind of final thoughts to kind of cap things off? Well, now, now that we've completed our evil residencies and we're officially doctors of evil, um, <laughs> I, I, I want to say these animated films and to a large extent, the live action ones as well, um, they're deeply political texts that are very concerned with exploring contemporary political issues. Uh, a lot of the character work is great. A lot of the action is great. Like these, the, these movies are like, if you can get past um, several instances of kind of just hokey animation junk and a hefty dose of what I'll, I'll just refer to as bad video game plotting stuff. Um, these, these movies are really solid and they explore powerful and important issues. And I think, you know, I, I was looking at like the Rotten Tomatoes scores for these and some Metacritic stuff and what different film reviewers from different outlets were writing and like largely, largely these animated Resident Evil movies have been dismissed yeah. as just being just uh, video game fanfare full of CGI action and nothing more, uh, and and critiqued solely on those terms. But if that's the way you're going to go about it, like that is such a waste. Oh, completely. One one just just part that veil, take one step further into these films. And and they're offering so much rich philosophical, political, and historic discourse that honestly, like, I don't know if I'll ever be done thinking about these movies. <laughs>
Thanks for tuning in, creeps. And remember, stay spooky. <laughs>